Welcome into the New Yorker podcast presented by Visa. I'm your host, Olivia Landis. And for the entire month of March, which is Women's History Month, I talked previously on previous episodes about how I am going to be bringing in amazing women each episode this month to talk about careers and journeys and just life experiences in general. And for the for those of you who have already been listening, we did something a little bit special a couple of weeks ago. It was the Team Reporter Series. We already got episode one down, and now I would love to bring in a few more later, a few more ladies for episode number two of the Team Reporter Series. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. All of the wonderful female reporters around the league can't wait to hear what everyone has to say. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thanks, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, quickly uh, for everybody listening, and I know there are also going to be people watching as well, but I'd love for everybody to just do a quick intro and then we'll get started into the conversation. So Cassie, let's start with you. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassie Calvert, and I'm with the Baltimore Ravens. This will be my fourth season with the Ravens, so really happy to be here. Amazing. Ashlyn? Hi, everyone. My name is Ashlyn Sullivan. I'm here with the Jacksonville Jaguars in a radio booth. I was telling everyone this is a full gear coming back into the stadium, so very excited to be back, and I'm going on my fifth season, which is crazy. It feels like I've been here 10 days or 10 years at times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also I'm also in my fifth season. I, I didn't know we came in at the same time. That's so funny. All right, Tori? Olivia, first of all, thank you so much for having us. I think we're all really excited to be here. I'm Tori. I am the team reporter for the Detroit Lions. I've done seven seasons uh, with the Lions, so it's been a really fun ride, and I love this group of women that we have, and I'm so excited to talk to everybody today. Seven seasons, girl. That's that's where it's at. That's what's up. Seven seasons strong. Kelsey, how's it going? <laughs> Leave it to the vet, Tori, to have the best, most put together intro of us all. <laughs> but I'm Kelsey. I'm with the Falcons. This is my sixth season. And like Tori said, I'm super excited to be joining the rest of the group. So Olivia, thanks for putting this together and having us all on. Yeah, of course. And last but not least, our wonderful Amy. Amy, give us a little intro. I'm Amy. I am with the Eagles. I'm heading into my fourth year with the team, and I'm really excited for this conversation. I think it's so special that we all have these relationships and that all these different teams are represented, and I just love our little sisterhood that we have going on. So really excited for the conversation. I know. I love this sisterhood, and we talked about it last time, too, in episode one, and I'm sure, I mean, we talked about it in the group chat. We, you guys saw on social media and everything. <laughs> What I love most about this, that's a perfect way to put it too, this sisterhood, is that we are able to be in this together and relate to one another through our experiences by being women in these amazing positions, these amazing positions to be able to be team reporters within the league. But it brings up a conversation point that we all talk about all the time. We are women in a male-dominated industry. And being that it is the NFL and football and there are so many males in this industry, we've been able to make some room for ourselves and we've been able to grab some seats at the table and really shake some things up at times, right? So I'd love to dive into this conversation about some of the challenges at times and what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry. Because oftentimes I think there are, and we did this last episode, broke down a lot of stereotypes or we broke down a lot of things people may be thinking that we do or may be thinking are part of our jobs but not quite so i'd love to start this conversation now what are some of the challenges that each of you have faced being a female in a male-dominated industry and i don't know who likes to go first this is going to be an open discussion roundtable so whoever wants to go first and talk about their experiences let's roll with that anyone want to volunteer <laughs> I'll volunteer, Olivia. I mean, you know, I've heard it said like, you know, as women, we don't know what it's like to be a man in the sports industry, but we can attest to what it's like to be a woman. And, you know, it definitely comes with its challenges. And in my experience, and I think in, in a lot of uh, other women's experience in sports is that the coaches and the athletes are sometimes the most open to it because they've been around it pretty much their entire athletic careers. And so uh, they tend to not look at us any differently than, you know, anyone else would. I think that where it becomes challenging is being able to win the trust of of the fans and to be able to show that, hey, we belong at this seat at the table that that we have earned. And, you know, I love that, that you said, like, you know, we've we've been able to get that seat at the table. And, and I love that expression because I want 
I want other women to know that like, just because these women have a seat at the table doesn't mean that there's not a seat for you. And I think that that's something that has been really cool about the sisterhood that has come from this group of team reporters is just being encouraging that there's always another seat at the table. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some something interesting that you mentioned, you said, um, you know, you, you being the seat at the table, like you said, bringing that seat up and being able to be here, but also you said, kind of proving yourself to fans almost, or or those who are, let's just say people on the outside, people who aren't necessarily within the industry, right? Oftentimes as a woman, you know, sometimes you have to prove yourself a little bit more in this position. And as unfortunate as it is, that's just kind of the name of the game. So has anyone else had that type of experience where you felt a pressure almost that I have to work harder, I have to know more, I have to make less mistakes in order to earn respect almost from the outside. Yeah, I think one of one of the ways that I would describe it is that for a woman in this business in the sports industry, you're not you're not given the benefit of the doubt when it comes to possibly making a mistake, pronouncing a name wrong, uh, having a bad take. I think plenty of people, men and women, make mistakes. They pronounce names wrong. They maybe read something incorrectly or have a take that doesn't pan out. A man is often given an excuse of, oh, had an off day, but we know he knows better. A woman does not necessarily have the benefit of the doubt instantly. Mostly, I would say from a fan perspective, you're going to be called dumb or your looks are going to be under the microscope at all times. Uh, Mm -hmm. Men can get away with a lot more of how they look on camera Uh, Women are constantly, first of all, criticized about their looks or complimented for their looks, which should not necessarily be the first thing that people talk about when we are giving smart commentary um, about the game that we all cover. And um, I have found myself, I mean, doing my homework, uh, preparing just as much, if not more than possibly uh, a man doing my job, because I know if I make a mistake, I'm going to instantly be considered dumb. I'm not going to be given the benefit of the doubt, or I'm going to be called like ugly or fat or what what have I done with my hair or something like that. So I think that is one of the challenges is as a female, you're not necessarily given the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I love that point, Amy. I think something that we've all talked about together a lot is the challenges of, okay, I have to come and know my stuff, but as a female in this role, you're also thinking, okay, is my hair perfect? Do I have any flyaways? Like, how's my makeup? And a guy can just kind of roll off the field from the game into whatever role and or from practice or whatever it may be. And they don't really have to think about that. But for us, there's all these levels of is my appearance being critiqued? And Mm -hmm. on addition to what I'm saying, you know, but you have all these levels that kind of a man doesn't have to think about. Big time. I think it's kind of hard for me, especially as I, when I got into this industry, I like was always such a tomboy growing up and I didn't know how to do my makeup and my hair. And especially during training camp, when it is so hot here in Jacksonville (laughs) and you're worried about the curls in your hair and you're trying to worry about what you're talking about. It's just so much going on. But I will say for me, at least I've had such a positive experience being a woman here in Jacksonville that I almost feel like there's more pressure coming in. Olivia, I'm sure you can relate to this. I came into this role straight out of college at 22 years old. And if anything, I felt more pressure being extremely young than being a woman. And I felt like I was more towards that, wanting to know my stuff because I was the youngest person in the room always, rather than it being a gender thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I first started with the Falcons, I remember um, I took the job and when they were going through the process of hiring me, the job obviously included being around the team. So I would have to be in the locker room doing post-game interviews, open locker room on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, like as you guys all know. And before me, the Falcons had never had a female team employee allowed in the locker room. And not to say that they didn't let it, it just wasn't ever a thing. There wasn't someone in the role that needed to be there. So they had to go through a level of clearance to do that and you think now okay that was six years ago now you would think people are crazy if they if they did that so it's just while there's still obviously challenges in everybody's job it's really it's really cool to see how much more normal it has become I think that I I'd rather probably focus on that aspect of it versus you know what are the specific challenges because I think obviously there's things that females have to deal with, but 
everybody in any job has challenges they have to deal with, but it's encouraging to see the progress that the NFL um, has made in terms of women inclusivity and just making it more normal. Yeah, I would definitely agree with Kelsey on that one. I mean, being in the lead for seven, seven seasons in this position, you know, I've seen it grow immensely over the course of that time. I mean, when we first kind of started the sisterhood, there was maybe five or six of us girls who became friends because we were kind of working similar jobs. And now the sisterhood has grown to being, you know, 25, 26 girls strong. And I love seeing that. And now we're seeing an actual push from the NFL as well with female officials, female coaches. You know, when I first came into the league, that wasn't a thing. I remember when, you know, the first woman was hired, it was huge news. And now there are multiple teams that have it. And, you know, women won the Super Bowl this year. So that's really Mm -hmm. cool to see. And I think all of us appreciate how much it has changed over the course of our time here. And it's even like a logistical thing too, because like now when you are on the road, there's a locker room for female staff. And like when I first started, that didn't used to be a requirement. But now like when we travel, like we have a designated space, which I just think when you see those physical spaces, it kind of reaffirms that we've really taken this step forward because we are literally making a space for these women. You know, that's just really Mm -hmm. cool to me. Mm -hmm. I like that point. I remember being in a custodian, not a custodian. It was the mascots locker room. (laughs) two seasons ago. I won't say where it was. <laughs> only traveling party with myself and one athletic trainer. So there's only two female on the road for, for us. So uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. They The mascot had to come out so we could go in <laughs> to change. Since then, it's gotten much better. You I know, know you I like share that the- point. I like that point. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Tori. I, I, I love know- these extra points you guys are making. Yeah, it was so much fun, you know, last week hearing some of the stories from uh, the other team reporters who shared behind the scenes stories of of being a woman in this industry. And, you know, kind of to that point about the mascot locker room, my first road trip uh, with the team, I was on the team plane. It was a red eye home uh, from the West Coast. And I didn't even know all of the players yet. You know, it was training camp. There were 90 players on the roster. I had just gotten there that week. Uh, So I was still kind of kind of learning and I was up on the plane in the middle of the night and one of the players stopped me and asked me for a sandwich because he thought I was a flight attendant because it was just they just weren't used to having a woman on the team plane so it was just an assumption and I know he didn't mean anything I know he didn't mean anything by it but it's just one of those things like that would never happen now Uh, Mm -hmm. it was just something that you know happened seven years ago well I think also that's an interesting point about I'm sure we all have great stories about the many places that we have had to change our outfit because Mm -hmm. there wasn't necessarily a spot for for us but the fact that there's more of us the fact that we have been invited into these conversations means now it's on the radar of people who are making these decisions that this is something important so when the Eagles first hired me this was because they looked around and said we don't have a woman on camera. We have a lot of men on camera. And this is important to our our organization to have different representations, diverse perspectives, and diverse looks on camera, which, of course, that was like right in my wheelhouse of like this, like when I went for that job, I was thrilled because that was exactly what I wanted to represent. But now that I'm there, the things that I have flagged to them as things that I need, extra time for hair and makeup. I'm going to need probably an hour to an hour and a half. When it's all men in the room, they're not thinking, oh, we need to give you this much time for this. But now Mm -hmm. I'm flagging, this is important. And so these spaces are starting to pop up where, oh, yeah, you do need a different place to change. Great. And so the fact that there are more of us, we're bringing these needs up that the other perspective just didn't see as something important because it didn't affect them at the time. So it is really cool to start to see those things. But also these stories of mascot locker rooms are hilarious and I will cover them forever. I changed in the in the bathroom of a Greyhound bus one time. That was probably the most unpleasant Ooh, one. But challenging. I'm sure we've all got lots of stories about that stuff. So. Yeah. And we could and actually at the very end I'd love to get to some of the uh I did this with the ladies in the last um the last episode, the episode one of the team reporter series. We talked about untold stories in the NFL and I'm telling you some of these stories are so funny but while we're still on the topic I actually loved the the change in pace because while yes it's important to talk about some of the struggles of being a woman in a male-dominated industry it's also important to talk about the progress that we've seen over the years and you guys already kind of touched on it Tori you've been this is your seventh season I'm I'm not sure are you are you the most are you the longest vet in in our entire group 
I'm not. I'm not. Um, I think there were a couple girls who were there uh, the year or two before me. I know Missy Matthews has been around for a long time. Yeah. So is D.P. Sadu uh, from mm -hmm. the Texans. Missy's from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, I think Amy Wells from the Titans as well has been around for a while. But there were a lot of girls who entered the year that I did. Um, and so, you know, like I said, a lot has changed. But yeah. talking about the perks, this sisterhood is probably the biggest perk, in my opinion, to yeah. uh, this this role, because I feel like we've really been able to create an environment where we genuinely encourage and support each other. And it's not competitive and it's not, uh, you know, a situation where you think that since this girl has this opportunity that I don't have this opportunity. It's genuinely supporting each other, wanting good things for each other and being able to, to help with advice when it's needed. And, and I've really loved being able to see that develop because it wasn't the case my first year in the league. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think well, it all starts with conversation. Perhaps, and sorry to yeah. cut you off, Olivia, but perhaps no, that you could consider this a challenge of being a woman in this business that is turning now into um, the gift of this sisterhood is that when you are isolated and there's not a lot of people in your role doing what you're doing, especially if it's a new role, you don't necessarily know what would be considered industry standard or professionally appropriate. And so to be able to have conversations with other women, it's almost like you're holding up the mirror. How is it for you? How do you approach this? How do you think about this? Um, what? Uh, how should I approach a conversation about my salary? You need to have a discussion with other people to realize, oh, this is how it should be, or here's another way of, of thinking about it. And when you're in isolation, you're not able to bounce those ideas or hold up that mirror that having a sisterhood can provide. And so the fact that I feel like we have these conversations between all of the women at all these different teams, where I kind of know like how things are at other teams for other people, that's such valuable information for me as a professional in my role, knowing what is becoming industry standard, which we are creating the industry standard, by the way, because mm -hmm. we are in mostly new roles. Most of us are the first one to be in our role at our team. And so it's so valuable to be able to bounce those ideas and share thoughts and come up with ideas for new segments, new content, uh, different types of uh, things that we can do. There's so much that it provides to be able to have people to bounce things off of. Yeah, I, t I totally agree with that. I think, um, so me, I'm in my fifth season, like I already said, fifth season with the New York Jets. And I think maybe the first year and a half or two years, um, you know, I, when I first came into the league, I, I didn't know a lot. I was like, I was like, Ashlyn, I came straight out of college. I was young. I was 22 years old, moved across the country from Colorado to New York and New Jersey to come start this new job. And a lot of it is just kind of learning as you go. And I don't even think I knew about um, all the other women team reporters until about a year, a year and a half in. Um, and then I learned about the group chat. We always talk about this group chat, this amazing group <laughs> chat that we have with all the female team reporters around the league. And like you said, Amy, it's just so valuable to have people um, who you can bounce ideas off of and bounce advice off of at the end of the day. So I'd like to know, since we're already talking about this subject, what are some of the ways you guys have seen things improve for you as a woman throughout your years um, being a team reporter? Because, I mean, I know you guys mentioned some, um, Amy, you mentioned, oh, well, now there, there are places we can change on the road or now – um, they have a designated area for women. What are other ways you guys have seen positive change um, throughout your years? Anyone want to go first? Anyone have a story? I have a story. It was um, it was right after the Washington football team article came out. And I think what I've seen progress over the past couple of years is my male coworkers and bosses having those uncomfortable at times conversations with me and almost practicing it and, and getting it out there. I remember it was the morning after that article came out and mm -hmm. my boss called me out of the blue and he's like, Ashlyn, I want to talk about this. Has any of this happened to you? If it does, please come sit with me. Please call me. I want to be here as a resource. It was maybe like an eight minute conversation, but it meant so much to me that they opened the door and said, hey, we got your back. If something like this happens, we want to support you. And I still remember that to this day and it meant the world to me. So I think... I've seen the improvement in that is that more male colleagues are aware that things like this do happen and have happened in the past and they want to put a stop to it. Yeah, that actually happened. Um, it's funny that you say that that actually happened for me as well. A after um, a lot of 
the allegations came out and uh, the big story about the Washington football team came out. Um, I also had people within the Jets organization from, you know, the very top, even reaching out to me and making sure I was good, making sure I was comfortable. Like, if you experience this, please let us know. Like, or, or we want you to know that this is zero tolerance for these type of things. So please reach out to us and let us know. And we're here for you. And sometimes that's really all it takes. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. that's all somebody needs. I'm not going to say women because it's not just women, just individuals in general who are going through certain things. Sometimes that's all it takes is someone to come out and say, hey, are you okay? Like, we're here for you if you need it, or we're here to support you if something ever happens. Um, has anyone else had that type of experience after even recently or years past? Has anyone else had experience um, with that support and seeing more and more as you go on? I think it's like important to, um, you mentioned the Washington football team thing right after that, a friend and I that used to work for the Cowboys posted like a zoom call with about like 40 other women in different roles around different leagues and sports and, you know, invited college students and like women who are trying to get into the industry to join that as well. And I think it's important for people who are coming up to know, like to hear conversations like this and like the one we're having right now, just about that, like it is, a welcome space for women. And I think that when things like that come out, it can be so discouraging to like younger girls is like, is this really a field that I want to pursue? And so I think that like the things that you're doing with this podcast and stuff like that, it's just really important to shine a light on the fact that like, it can be a really great experience. You can find women like this that support you. And I think it's, it should be encouraging, I hope to younger girls that like, that's not the reality every day for every woman in the league or in other leagues, you know? Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, because you never know who's watching too. Like you said, it, it could be an encouragement for younger women who might be looking up to you, or it could even be younger men. Like as soon as the conversation is out there and people are talking about things that need to be improved upon or things that people are going through, I think that's always the first step is the conversation. But let's dive a little bit deeper into our roles and our jobs as team reporters in general. Uh, we were talking about this um, when I... one of the last episodes and we were just talking about some common misconceptions that people have Uh, a common question. Oftentimes we we were talking about that people ask is what do you do in the off season? Are you free in the off season? Like, like, do you got, do you just chill? And we dove a little bit deeper into that and about how, okay, the off season is not chill. (laughs) We are still full time. Those are still, that, that is still very much a very busy part of our jobs. But what other parts of this job can you guys uh, maybe bring to light that people don't know some of the things that we do? I'll, I'll start with one here. Um, I'm not sure if people really realize the amount of prep that goes into each and every live show or interview that you do. Oftentimes, um, you know, I'll hear people ask me like, oh, that was such a cool interview. Um, like you must have just like, it must have been so easy, right? And I, in my mind, I'm like, no, it took, it takes a lot, a lot of preparation for every individual. I think I hear a cat. Oh, yeah. Is that a kitty? Olivia, is I, that I want, it kitty? is a cat. Yeah, it's my cat. He really wants to be in Can we see it? Oh, what's his name? I'm going to pull out lion haircut right now. Wait, wait, yeah, let's get, a, let's get an yeah. ISO on the kitty real quick. But I was listening to what you said. Obviously, he was too. He wanted to chat about it as well. And uh, he's, he's really that. having a bad attitude. Um, but you know, I, I totally agree. And that was going to be my point as well was about, you know, how people think that we just kind of like appear on camera. I don't know what we have this attitude going on for right now. This is what I love about this. Like it's so casual. Like everyone, my dog is chilling right here. I'm just like, please don't bark. Please don't bark. But (laughs) no, mine, mine has decided that he totally does not want to, to be, have any chill whatsoever. But yeah, people think that we just kind of like appear on camera and we just kind of walk on, yeah. we ask some questions, we walk off and that that's all we do. But I think a lot of us have roles where we either write or edit in addition to what we do on camera. I know Cassie does social media. So they're very different aspects to what we do. So we do do a lot of things besides just being on camera and the on camera part isn't just stepping in front of a screen and then just talking and calling it a day. And I think that's a huge misconception and it can sometimes be a misconception even among people that you work with. Um, You know, because what we do is so forward facing. And so people see that aspect of it, but people don't often see the hours spent 
researching to make sure that you're up on everything that's happening with your team to make sure that you know you know uh, what's going on in the rest of the NFL and how that could affect or apply to your team and being able to prepare interview questions and being mm-hmm. able to know them so that when you are having that conversation you're not looking down and, and looking at at questions the whole time you have it all in your head because you've prepared and you know what you want to talk to this person about and how you want to guide the conversation those aren't just things that just happen when you step on camera yeah mm-hmm. I think a good example of that is for me in the off season, I host a um, pre-draft show with our radio color analyst and he's a former Falcons quarterback. And we go pretty in, in depth in the breakdowns. And I think it's a really cool show for fans that want to get perspective on. So say we're going to break down the quarterbacks this year to have a former quarterback literally breaking down plays while he has b-roll going of that player and I just remember as the show went on last year was our first year doing it I was like you know I want to spend more time on the research part of it because it kind of felt like at first it was all about his tape breakdown and I was like you know I want to have something to bring to the viewers too I don't want this to just be just a breakdown and you just introduce and close the show And just the amount of time it took to go through the research aspect of those draft prospects. We did Mm -hmm. five per, per position group. So I think in total, we ended up doing like 35 draft prospects. And I just remember being like, oh my God, we just did 35. I can't like, but, but I'm thinking about like the scouts that do what, like 200, but then I'm like, that's their (laughs) full time job all year long. And we just did 35 in a month. And I just remember how much time it took just for me to even be able to say like two facts about like, oh, he uh, wore number 18 because of this reason, just so I felt like for me and for the viewers, I hope it was like, oh, she she has something to contribute to the conversation. Because I know it's it's easy for my color analyst to just see a throw and be like, this is this is what was good about this. It's like second nature for him. So going back to our original point about almost having to work extra harder um, Mm. just to be able to have something to bring to the table for those that it just comes like second nature to. Yeah. It's, it's so funny too, because when I think about some of the times where I really had to prepare most, I mean, how many of you guys go to the draft? I think most of you, right. Do most of you go to the draft? Yeah. I mean, obviously like last year, it was a little different with um, the pandemic and the COVID-19 protocols, but I remember one year, uh, or not one year, a couple of years in a row, um, literally I wrote out the top 100 prospects. Like I, I went through mock drafts, I read so many articles, and I just wrote wrote out in pen and paper the top 100 prospects in the NFL draft. And then individually, I went, okay, this player played here at this position for this many years. He might be a player of interest for the Jets for X, Y, and Z. And it's just like little stuff like that. I'm not sure if people really know, like this is this is the type of work that goes into preparing for being on camera. Because like you said, Tori, oftentimes I think it, it's very front facing and people just think, oh, it's come on camera and we say something and, and then that's it. But it's actually like the amount of preparation and research that goes into writing scripts, learning your material, and also you have to have your on-camera presence sharp too. And that takes that takes time and preparation before you get on camera as well. Yeah, and I just want to say, I want to say that there's not a single woman in this role in the league that gets their questions or scripts or stats from anyone else. Every single one of these women writes those themselves they know what questions that they want to ask themselves nobody's feeding us anything like this is all the hard work of these women who do this job yeah let's break that common misconception now um (laughs) nobody's writing our material or our questions (laughs) that's strictly us (laughs) and olivia Um, i love that you said that like people think that like we don't do anything in the off season because you talked about the draft and tori has a great tiktok about this but like there's so much nfl does a great job of staying in the news 24 7 year round i think that's something that even my friends don't understand they're like there's no games. Why are you still busy? And I'm like, cause it's five o'clock on a Friday and we decided to free agent. Like there's no schedule in the off season. And I think the season can sometimes be easier because we get in this rhythm.
rhythm and it's like transactions happen at this time and this day of the week we do these things and like on other days Mm -hmm. we do these things but in the off season it's like it can happen any moment like we've Mm -hmm. I've had to post things from like a golf course or like the side of the road, like, because you never know, like I've literally driven back to our facility to like get video of a player signing after five o'clock on a Friday in the off season, like in normal times. So it's just, it's wild. Cause like with the draft and free agency and like, usually we have the senior bowl and then there's pro days and then there's mini camps and rookie mini camp. And it's, there's always something happening in a normal year. So it doesn't really ever like slow down. Yeah, it really doesn't. It really doesn't ever slow down. Um, let's transition a little quickly because before before we end the podcast, I want to I want to have some fun. But before we get there, I'd love to know maybe one thing from each person that you guys feel like during your time because everyone's had um, different experiences and has been with their respective teams for a different amount of time. But in the time that you guys have been team reporters, what are some things that you've learned both professionally about yourself? And personally, how has it helped you grow in either one or both of those areas? And um, maybe I'll, Amy, are you okay? Can I start? I'm going to throw it out to you first if you're cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm piecing my thoughts together. But um, so I'm going into my fourth year with the team. And I feel like my role with the Eagles is probably a little bit different um, because I am seasonal. So I am not working for them during the off season. They'll bring me in to do the draft show, which by the way, the draft prep is probably the toughest thing of the year because I just, I'll be ready to go live. They'll tell me the pick in my ear and I better hope that that was one of the guys, one of the possible 300 that I did research on. But um, I think in, in my time with the Eagles, so the Eagles hired me, I'm 32. So the Eagles hired me now I'm going into my fourth season. So I didn't come straight out of college. I've been a working professional in the industry for a long time. And I I guess, I don't know if this answers the question, but this is a personal story because this Eagles job, I felt like to me was this crowning moment of, um, I was finally able to be myself. And I think for the first part of my career, I was, oh, this is what a good broadcaster is. This is what a woman in broadcast is. And I would constantly get feedback from uh, prospective agents that I would be sending my tape to, from uh, potential employers that I would be sending my tape to. And the feedback was always, you're really, really good at this, but what is making you stand out? Like, who are you? What's making you stand out from other people that are also really good at this? And I had a really hard time answering this question because I was looking at what I thought I was supposed to be and trying to match that. And then I started to do this inward work of trying to figure out who am I as a woman in the world? What do I like? What do I believe in? All of these things that are the inner work. And magically, that started to show up on my tape. And that started to show up in my work on camera and my confidence um, as a woman in the world, in the professional world, and in this professional world of sports. And so when I went in to interview for that Eagles job, I went in there with the most confidence I had ever had because I knew I was right for it. I knew they were looking to diversify, which is super important to me, and that they were looking for someone who was a little more seasoned and who was really passionate about the game. And I was so pumped to go in there. And I live in New York City, and I commute to Philadelphia, and we have made it work because this is a perfect fit for both of us. Um, And I'm there, again, seasonally and part-time and once or twice a week during the season. But I remember walking in um, and talking to my now boss, who is – amazing and has been one of the best bosses I've ever had. And I said, look, I I know I'm perfect for this job. And uh, even though I live in New York City, and I'm going to be part time, like it's going to be worth it to you because I'm going to do a really good job. And I met the entire team and they all took the time to really get to know me. We talked about my passion for mental health awareness. We talked about my journey in finding my voice and my confidence um, and my uh, obsession with the NFL draft and what a big nerd I am about the game um, and all those things. And I walked out of there knowing that I had that job and knowing that it was the first time I was really myself in a job interview. And, uh, and so that is what getting that job, I tell this story so often because I felt like it was the culmination of me finding myself as a woman in the world and as a woman in this business. And so from there, I've just grown in my skills and grown in my comfort level and my role has continued to expand, but it was really like this, point of a personal journey for me of like finding myself and my voice as a woman that's incredible like seriously hell yeah girl like (laughs) something you said that was interesting to me I don't know about all of you guys but I struggled with this early on in my career as well I don't know if it's just because I was young or what but you said um you struggled with kind of like comparing yourself to others and like Mm 
had this image in your head of what it should look like to be a broadcaster or to be a team reporter or to um, work for an NFL team. You know, I struggled with that when, when I was early in my career, like finding that identity within yourself. And, and I tell young broadcasters this all the time or, or young college students um, who are always like, who will ask for advice and stuff. And I'm like, the most important thing to remember is to be yourself. Don't compare yourself to other broadcasters. Don't compare yourself to other women, other men in the industry. If you have people you look up to and, you know, want to kind of model your, your game after that's different, you know, but to compare yourself could be an unhealthy mindset. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're not even aware of it, you know, so very interesting that you said that I struggled with that too, um, in my early in my career, but (laughs) yeah, and to be yourself, you have to know who you are. And I think that to me is the, the thing that I went inward and I stopped thinking about work and how do I put myself on tape? I started to ask like those deep philosophical questions. Who am I? What do I want to be in the world? What's important to me? And the work came after that. Um, And then Tori was one of the first people I called because Tori's my friend from college, go Gators. And I was like, I don't know that. I got the Eagles job. I can be invited to the group text now. I was so (laughs) included. (laughs) You guys went to college together? Yes, yes, we did. Amy and I knew each other in college. Ashlyn went to our school as well. So we have three Gators yes. on the call right now. So I that's a pretty big deal. Wow. Yes. Um, so I can definitely attest to say that I've seen Amy grow into herself since taking this Eagles job. So I can I can be your witness on that one to see how awesome it's been to, to see you really take over this job and make it your own. But I mean, you're totally right about being yourself. And it sounds like the most cliche, annoying advice ever because you're like, okay, cool. Like, what does that even mean? That's yeah. not helpful. But I think the key is, you know, when you start to get good at broadcasting is when you start to just be yourself on camera. Because I think we get in front of a camera and we feel like we have to do this certain voice and we have to have this certain posture. And like, sure, that is part of it. But you early on in your days of broadcasting, you're kind of thinking too much about those things. And you're thinking about the delivery and the posture and the voice and the script that you memorize in your head and like trying to make this interview really good. But as you do it and you get more reps, it's, it's kind of like sports in that, you know, the more reps you get, the better you get at that sport. And it's the same way in broadcasting, but in broadcasting, the more reps you get, the more you just relax and feel like your own personality can come out and that you can just be you, that you don't have to be this like on camera version of you, that you can just be you. So when we say be yourself, that's, that's totally what that is. Like it's, it's not this like unhelpful advice. That's like, you know what, you'll get a job when you just be yourself. Like it it really is genuinely, um, you know, what shows progress as, as a broadcaster. And And football is fun. Like it's supposed to be fun. Like it doesn't always Mm -hmm. have to be so serious. I think that's something that I've learned too. And it's like, you just trust yourself. And like, so Amy and Tori are saying, like when you are yourself, like, and you're just having fun with it, like fans have more fun. Like you don't always have to take yourself so seriously. And I think that's something that people like think, you know, but like when you're having fun, the people that are watching you are having more fun than if you're just dull. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you said, trust yourself. That's a big one. I I don't know about you guys, but I had to literally learn to trust myself. And by trusting myself, what I did to get to that point was do the extra research, you know, stay the extra few minutes, like ask for help or ask for resources when you feel like you're not prepared, but trusting yourself, man, that's a big one. Like preach on that one, girl, but that one takes a while. I don't know about you guys, but for me, that took a while for me to be able to trust myself. It does. I always tell, like you were saying, college students that reach out, I always say, it sounds a little harsh, but I always say there's no excuse to be unprepared. And I find for mm-hmm. at least me overprepared, and I probably will use maybe 30% of the stuff I prepared for makes me so much more confident on air because I know whatever is thrown at me, I can handle it. And I'm with you, Cassie, about learning how to have fun. I think that's the biggest thing I've grown professionally is I'm not this buttoned up blazer type of girl. And at first I was trying to be that and it just wasn't working. It just came across fake. And the biggest viewership I've ever had on a video I posted was my bloopers. And people were like, this is awesome. Post more of this. And I know Olivia's are awesome as well. And I was like, man, maybe I should do more of this. And then I've been fine ever since. Yeah, it is true though. 
players like respond to that too. You know, like Mm -hmm. I think we're more relatable to the players that you're talking to when you're relaxed and you're having fun and then they're more relaxed and they're having fun and it shows a better side of them to a fan than if I'm just sitting here, you know, being serious the whole time. Like, and it's not that some things are serious. Obviously I don't mean that everything's a joke, but I think that Mm -hmm. when you're more relaxed, like a player can feel that like respond to that. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Kelsey, did you have anything to add to that as far as your career and things that you've you've learned both personally and professionally? Yeah, um, it's funny. I actually had a girl call me um, once. Someone asked if this this woman who was graduating from um, grad school could talk to me about um, just you know what being a team reporter is like because she's graduating with a broadcast degree and doesn't know if she wants to go more of the team route or uh, the news route. Um, And it's funny because I just remember talking to her about all of what I do. And um, I remember her saying to me, um, well, I know what I'm worth and I don't, I don't necessarily want to go to uh, a certain market um, and kind of start from the beginning because by the time I graduate, I'm going to have two degrees. And I just remember thinking to myself, I think that my advice to her was that's definitely the wrong approach to take because I think everybody on this call can talk about doing things in their job that they never wanted to do, but you had to do it to get to where you are now. And I think when I first got into my role, I had to do a lot because the the department was really small and it's grown a lot. So my responsibilities have changed a lot. But I think now more than ever, I'm so grateful that I've been able to do more than just be an on-camera host because if I didn't write as much as I do, I wouldn't be as knowledgeable as I am about football. And I think that made me so much better at my job. And I didn't really look at it as that when I took the job I was like I don't really want to write all this much but now I can see it and I'm like that's like I'm so glad that I did and I'm so glad that I can say that I have those strengths so I think for me now um learning that about myself is something that I'm I'm really proud of and and I if I could give any advice to anyone it would be to kind of be able to open your eyes and your perspective in that aspect because there's no job that is too big or too small for you. And I know it sounds cliche, but they all end up kind of making you who you are. And I kind of wish I had that perspective um, a couple of years ago, and I'm glad I have it now. And I would piggyback off of that kind of tough love from, from Kelsey. Like, you know, you hear the phrase, like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And like, that sounds really great and fun. (laughs) And, you know, we all love working in sports. We love the fact that we get to be around football all the time. And it's really cool. And there are days that it is so glamorous and you're like, oh my goodness, I, you know, just covered this overtime game and it had a crazy ending or, you know, I'm covering the NFL playoffs or I'm here at the NFL draft. And those are amazing mountaintop moments. And we do love what we do and we're so passionate about it, but there are days that it still feels like work. And (laughs) there are days where you are, like Kelsey said, doing things that aren't necessarily things that you want to be doing, you know, that there are, you know, legwork things or, or busy work things that are just part of what you have to do to get where you want to go. And so, you know, it is great to be able to work in a career that you love and that's that's really fun and seemingly glamorous. But the idea that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I don't really buy into that concept because I think that there are days where you just have yeah. to let work feel like work. But the key is yeah. to knowing the key is knowing why you're passionate about it and why you want to stick with it and knowing, you know, and sometimes that passion and that reason can change, you know. So for me, when I was first in the league, I was like, I'm going to do all this, you know, girl power stuff and show that women can do everything the guys can do. And, you know, I went and joined a women's tackle football team, like played women's football. And I did a course where I learned a lot about scouting and I learned those aspects of it. And and those things gave me an amazing basis of knowledge. And I am so glad that I did them and I love doing them. But then later on, I grew in my love for storytelling. And, you know, so that was my passion. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So that that passion and that motivation can change, but it's knowing what that is and where you stand with that to let it get you through those days where work does feel like work. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's important to know that it can change because 
who I was at 22 when I first came into the league and first got this job isn't who I am anymore, you know, as, as a 26 year old woman in my fifth season with the New York jets. Um, and that's very true. Like sometimes your passions will change. Sometimes um, what you find most interesting will evolve over the years based off of things, your experience, or maybe something someone brought to your attention, but that's okay. I think people need to, especially people upcoming in this industry need to know it's okay. If it changes, it's not always going to be like you said, this big glamorous one thing, like sometimes it's going to feel like work and sometimes you're going to do things you don't want to do, but it's okay to be able, as long as you're adapting and being able to change along the way, I think that's what's most important. Are there any other final thoughts before we, um, we wrap things up with some untold stories or experiences. <laughs> Any other final thoughts on that subject? We're good. All right. So before the last episode on the team reporter series, um, we did this little thing at the end and I, I, it was called like some untold stories of the, of the NFL, but um, it can also go prior to that because Maddie Glab from the bills had a hilarious story about <laughs> how she got locked out of her hotel room in college um, I'll start off. So I had this, there was one time I went to Colorado state cause I'm from Colorado. I went to Colorado state and I used to work for both our athletic department and our on-campus television station. It used to be called CTV, our on-campus television station. And one game I was filming the football, the football team. Cause I would go out and I'm not sure if some, I'm sure some of you guys did this too. Um, like go out and like you were a one man band in college. Like you filmed it, you you mm -hmm. shot your own standups, you edited everything, like you produced it, wrote it all like it was a one man band. So I went out to one of these football games with um, one of my coworkers at the time. Her name was Carly, and she, we had taken turns filming highlights. So we were on the sideline, and it was her turn to film. We were in the end zone, and um, I remember it was just like the last few minutes of the game. And, um, you know, I don't remember who the quarterback was at the time for, for we were playing New Mexico. I think that's who, we, cause we're, we're in the mountain. Colorado state is in the mountain West. Um, anyways, long story short, she was filming in the end zone. I was behind her. I wasn't really paying attention because she was the one filming the, uh, the highlights. So literally all I remember is like, it happened so fast. I'm sure this has happened to you guys too, but I was standing behind Carly and literally she's like, get out of the way. And I just see her like dive to the side and I'm like, what are you talking about? And I like, look, and literally the football comes literally just like hits me in the gut like this, like my stomach absorbs. I was like, boom, literally like on net, on live television, we were on live television. And so the, she dives out of the way. I don't see it. The football comes, hits me. And I'm kind of like, like crouching down and everybody in the end zone literally started like laughing <laughs> whatever it was an embarrassing moment but after the game one of my friends who was watching the game live literally sent me a video clip of me getting drilled by the football and was like literally everybody just watched you get drilled by football so <laughs> that is an untold story from, from i don't know who else has anyone else ever been drilled but i asked this last time has anyone else yep. ever been drilled by the football or a player i've been or on I've the not top 10 I've been, oh, wow. I've been number three yeah tori knows um <laughs> mostly if you google me um it's actually kind of funny when i like meet people how long it takes them to realize that they've seen me somewhere before and it was <laughs> on the top 10 in 2013. i got run over i was at a seven on seven event because uh, i used to cover football recruiting that's how i got my start and uh, i was in oregon at nike headquarters and uh, i kind of saw it coming i was shooting something with one of my analysts and kind of saw it coming behind me and we were not close to the end zone and i thought they're not coming over here i'm not going to blow my take i got completely destroyed um, oh, and no. the video is on YouTube in many places, but like, you can see like my whole profile, like going to the side and I'm gone, like vanished, destroyed. It was 4th of July weekend. And so it played on the not top 10 for like the whole weekend. Number three, <laughs> I got so many calls and texts about it. And I also loved it. I watched that footage back and I was like, oh, I'm going to be on the not top 10, which was actually kind of like one of my secret like dreams was like, <laughs> not top 10. And I was number three and uh, it's still out there. The video on YouTube has like more than a million views. Um, but what's hilarious is that anytime anybody looks me up or tries to look up my work or like when I go in for 
uh, a job interview or when I would go in for a job interview, uh, the first thing that comes up is this video instead of uh, my resume or anything like that. But it's always funny to see how long it takes people to figure out oh they've seen me somewhere before you have to laugh at it though right like, great i love it <laughs> i'm googling that as soon as we get off here i can't believe i didn't know that i know i can't believe that either i i, I had no idea i'm sure you you've know. seen it before and you didn't realize because everyone has seen yeah. it before and didn't realize <laughs> didn't realize that it was you <laughs> all right what about anyone else does anyone else have any funny um untold stories it doesn't even have to just be getting drilled by a football <laughs> um does anyone else have any funny unseen or untold stories of their experiences um covering football at any point in college too everything goes at this point no? i mean i told my i told my best one earlier with the flight attendant uh situation mm -hmm. I, that uh, that one makes me laugh every single time and it was my first week on the job um but i guess I, I didn't get drilled, but on uh, you know the the combine several years ago, they had like a fan area where they had the forty yard dash set up, and I was just in my normal reporter clothes for that day. And my uh, coworker was like, "Hey, why don't you just like go run the forty yard dash and then just say like, hey, watch the combine, and we'll use it as like a little promo for our coverage for the week." I was like, "Okay, cool." And so you know, went and filmed it, and you know, then posted it, and we walked back in the press room. And like a couple people that I knew vaguely well, but not that well, were like, hey, nice 40-yard dash. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, how'd you see that already so quick? And yeah. like later that day, it was, you know, on ESPN.com and, you know, all these different websites because I had run it in heels and I had had like, they weren't like high heels or anything, but they were heels and I ran it under six seconds and and heels. So like, that's my like thing that comes up when you Google me type of thing, like Amy's. Did you did did you run it run run it in wedges or was it legit like heels? It was it was wedges. It, they were like little oh, okay. booties. They were not like stiletto heels or anything like that. It was just that they weren't running shoes, and <laughs> you know it just kind of took off. But it was a lot of fun because it was something unexpected like that. Yeah. Um, but you know it, it it definitely is funny because that's like I, I feel like if you don't know me for the lions, like that's probably where you've seen me before. Like, <laughs> right, story. You made me look really bad because I when I guess was it before it must have been before that video. I um, was looking on Twitter and I saw that this one prospect was like, "Oh, I'm gonna run like a sub four six forty. and I just remember like saying out loud, "Oh, I can totally do that," and <laughs> not like grasping just how fast that is. And I should know because I'm a former Division One athlete, so the fact that I didn't quite grasp that. And I remember they made me do it and I did not run a sub four six and <laughs> your time in heels was better than mine in sneakers and I'm a former <laughs> athlete. So let's just say I was a little bit embarrassed. So don't tell yourself short. You totally crushed that. I'm so sorry. Kelsey. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, all right, ladies. Well, um, my light went out while, of course, as we were. <laughs> <laughs> mid conversation so just have to point that out really quickly but anyways this was an incredible conversation thank you guys so much for joining me for episode number two of the team reporter series i think it's just so important to hear some of the women around the nfl and hear some of the things that they have to say so thank you everyone um for coming on the new york her podcast presented by visa ladies it was an absolute pleasure thank you for having thank me thank you so thank fun. you so much olivia my cat says thank you as well <laughs>